we do syndicate. So we have to be careful. We don't want to push on rents and have an oxy problem where the point we want to offer moderate rent increases, but then now perform better by offering these other opportunities where we can bring in other income and decrease expenses. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is a point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, In addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there and we built a relationship with him in Eastern Union funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, We have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals. And people who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor, but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've, the deal you've got And assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. Uh, All you need, well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, But besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. First off, I hope you're having a best ever weekend. Because today's Sunday, we're going to do an episode called Skill Set Sunday. And the purpose of today's episode is to help you acquire a skill set so that you can then apply those skills towards your real estate ventures. And we're going to be talking about a very specific skill set, and that is a skill set of performing on an apartment community so that you can return 75% of the capital that was invested after 13 months. And this isn't hypothetical. This happened. And it happened with one of my friends, Jason Yerusi, who is back on the show to tell us how he did it. How are you doing, Jason? Doing great, Joe. Thanks for having me back. 
Well, my pleasure, and you're going to add a lot of value to our community through this episode, so I'm grateful you're on the show. A little bit about Jason as a refresher. He's a managing partner of Yerusi Holdings, which is a full-service real estate and construction company, and he has syndicated multiple deals, and in fact, episode 1,157, titled Case Study of a First-Time Apartment Syndication with Jason Yerusi. I recommend going to check out that episode and also hear his best ever advice. We're going to be talking about a 94 unit. In that case study of the first apartment syndication that we talked about on that episode, do you know if that was a 94 unit that we're talking about today? It sure is. Beautiful. Okay, so this is great. So part one of this conversation, go listen to episode 1157 where Jason talks about how he acquired it and the numbers on the deal and then we have the benefit of being 13 months later now, approximately, and you've executed on that deal, and you return approximately 75% of the investor equity after 13 months. So let's get into some specifics about that deal. But before we do, how about you give the best ever listeners a refresher just to remind them about your background and then we'll roll right into this 94 units and we'll focus on the execution during this conversation. Sure. Thanks, Joe. So yes, Jerusi Holdings, a full service real estate construction company. We mainly focus on flips here locally in New Jersey and wanted for a long time to move into more apartment buildings. So spent a lot of time learning the process, following others like yourself and just learning the steps to take. And the opportunities here in New Jersey were not really hitting on the metric standpoint from what we were looking for. So we started looking at a state and a few markets and one being Kentucky, really honed down on Louisville, Kentucky, and really just specifically some of the sub markets there. It took us a long time to find a couple opportunities then we started offering and the deal that we closed on back in 2017 was a deal that we first offered on about eight or nine months prior to it going under contract because basically our offer was about a million dollars off or apart from what the seller asking price was. It was an off-market opportunity, motivated sellers where the father, where the matriarch was in his 90s and the kids who were in their 50s or 60s, just at that point were not really involved in a company. They came back and said, no, thank you, offered right at their asking price and we went away and we kept it on our tracking list that this was something that we made note to to go on anything we offer, keep a list of it so we can check back on what the status was. So months later, saw this was still having no transaction history, went back and offered just $50,000 higher than our first offer. And they had countered back $600,000 less than we were able to get it down to close just about a million dollars off their original asking price back in May of 2017. Okay. So that sets the stage for you acquiring the property. Refresher on the business plan, please. Sure. So Class C property, 1972 to 1975, was six buildings built in the South Central submarket. It has a mix of basically, it's an owner's paid property with two of the buildings where the tenants do pay some of the utilities, has two boilers on the property, all the original windows. It also had basically high flush toilets. And from that, there was many different avenues from a income standpoint that we could capitalize on one from just putting in a process for actually screening tenants, application fees, pet fees, et cetera. And then we had rent bumps that were basically anywhere between 75 to a hundred dollars under market. So our strategy from the front part was to have a traffic light rent raise strategy. 
Now, tenants that are in the building just because they're paying under market doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad tenants. They've just been offered less rent. And if I was offered less rent to live in an apartment complex, I wouldn't say no. So we basically filter based on their collection history, just a level of green, yellow, and red on the tenant standpoint. And basically saying that if they've been great actors, been paying on time, really steady in their performance for the prior owners, that we were just going to do a nominal rent bump. Past that, if they um, maybe- nominal. $50 for after and then $50 after six months. After that, we had yellow where it was something that we were going to go in there and do it. I think it was $65 for the yellow and then red where basically there was a few bad actors who were conditionally on the list of having to be filed on where we'd give them one opportunity where we have to file. They have to pay for filing fees for an eviction. If they came through and paid it the second time, there would be no remorse. We would take it to the action and we would be bringing them to market rate. So we had that across the board and we wanted to do this for a point that although we wanted to make sure that we were providing value before we were really taking rents up. So for this, we were making sure that we were going forward and improving it. So one of the first things we did, of course, go out there and do all the landscaping, complete new signage across the board. Then we started getting into doing other things that can make the property better. We redid the parking lots, other things that ultimately in a value from a bottom line standpoint, don't add in there, but from a performance standpoint to the property really just makes it perform better because you're not having a number of issues just with insurance or other things. So we started doing concrete flat work, repaving the parking lots, as I said, and then we did replace two of the boilers to start helping on the utility bill. Past that, we went in and replaced all the toilets, faucets, and shower heads across the entire buildings to low-e flush toilets and aerators. That has been a tremendous hit. It actually cut our water bill based on the last three months. We've just tracked it again. We're down 32% on our water bill, noting that this is an all-owners paid property that goes right to our bottom line has been a huge step for us. It also allowed us that we were able to go back and it's not really an area where you can build back. So building back is in some areas, if it is an all-owners paid property, you will build back tenants for part of the utility bill. It doesn't happen on the 600 surrounding units around us. So it wasn't something we're going to put into play. We also implemented, of course, application fees, which they weren't doing, believe it or not. And simple things as we have an office full-time resident manager on site, the office leasing person. The prior office was having trouble with collections, but silly enough, they weren't allowing the office manager to actually take checks. So the person who was the office manager had to refer them to take the check either to the mail or go down four miles away and hand it to the office. So just a bunch of things that were very easily correctable for the site. Mm -hmm. We installed move-in fees instead of a deposit. We were finding that people are always of this tenant base are always worried about the deposit, just the level of possible damage it can make. So we got away with the deposit and took that away and put in a set move-in fee just based on preparation for preparing the unit. It's a one-time move-in fee that's less than their deposit. And we also... It's a $400 moving fee, and then we do a surety bond on top of that, which would cover us for any damages up to one month's rent that may incur for the life of their stay. And I believe the surety bond is a $75. I had to double check on that. But that still comes under where they would be paying if it was a deposit, where the deposit would be in the $525 to $550 range. And that covers how much worth of damage? It covers one month's rent, depending on where their one month is. Okay. Past that. We started using some of the programs in the area to our advantage. It was having an occupancy issue with the prior ownership. We took it on at 92%. Within the first couple of weeks, we had a number of people skip just because they were not happy with rules. 
which is fine. It allowed us to quickly turn units where we basically turned about 40% of units now to today. And for that, now we were able to get those units rented up quickly. It's a very workforce-driven area, and we've used some programs. We have dedicated up to 15% of the building for Section 8 and other programs, um, Home of the Innocence, a veterans program, things that can really help the neighborhood as well. What percent was Section 8 when you took it over? It was about 7 to 10%. There's been some, let's not say difficulties with Section 8, but there's been some change in the process they've done in Louisville where the inspections have changed their protocol and the payment structure has certain delays based on whatever's the government dynamic there. So I know some other owners who have a very heavy Section 8 where payments are coming and they're three or four months behind. It's been very difficult for them. We've wanted to keep it at a low rate, no more than 15% of units, just so it's a dynamic we can use there, but it wasn't something that was going to cause issues for cash flow if we had to wait three, four months. Okay. Just so I am recapping this properly, all the different ways that you ultimately added value, whether it's from an income or expense standpoint, what I've got written down based on what you've said in no particular order, app fees, and how much are the app fees? App fees is $35. So one, you added application fees of $35. Mm -hmm. Two, move-in fees instead of a deposit. And the move-in fee is $400. Plus on top of that, they pay $75 for a surety bond. Did I hear that correctly? That I have to check. I'm pretty sure that's the Ish. Uh, Ish. Okay. Roughly. Okay. Got it. No big deal. Okay. Let's see. So that was app fees one, move-in fees two. Three, better collections. Previously, it was cumbersome to accept checks or they did not at all. But now you just accept checks. So there's better collections. Is that correct? That is. And that's a fine line we find with this tenant base, sometimes based on payment. If they get paid a Friday, which is maybe the 7th, well, that may incur a late fee. And lots of times people happily pay a late fee every month along with their check just so they can have the availability to pay. So collections, we want to make sure we're collecting, but also we're not always pushing to get rid of late fees because that can be a great step to increase income as well. If you're getting three or $4,000 in late fees across a hundred unit building, or let's say not three or 4,000, you know, let's say $500 in late fees a month and that's $6,000 to a year, that's basically going to your bottom line. So we've improved collections, but we still have late fees and other fees that are coming across the board just based on cycles for payment. And then the huge thing, at least from what I've heard, was getting that water bill down 32%. This is not an area, according to you, where you can bill back residents. So you found a different way or an additional way, if you could do both, to decrease that bill. And how did you decrease the bill 32%? We changed all the toilets out. We made sure that we did a full unit inspection. We've been continuing to do full unit inspections to check on any leaks because there was a number of leaks going into the building just within some toilets or just leaking shower heads. We changed out also faucets and shower heads for aerators, et cetera, just to really limit on the water use. So changing over to low E-flush to 1.8, just from the massive toilets that they were installed, most of them from day one, it's really reduced in the water bill. And that's been a huge hit. Got it. And what was the investment to do that process? Honestly, oddly, if you think of the big run over run, I think it was about $250 a toilet across. 
mm-hmm. somewhere in that range, we were able to buy them in bulk. So you do 250 times 94, you know, talking less than about $20,000 or so. Cool. And do you off the top of your head know how much value that decrease of 32% of the water bill added to your property based on a certain cap rate that you use? You know, we haven't annualized it yet. I will say if we're taking 30%, about $450,000. Yeah. Would you do that deal all day long again and again? (laughs) All day long. All day long. We're actually carrying it over to the next property that we're rolling the investors into. So yes. What what cap rate did you assume there? Same thing. We actually were at a 7.5 and I'm using this cap rate one based on the area, but two based on where the lender put us for the loan and basically where they put us for the refi as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So that was the fourth thing. One, app fees. Two, move-in fees. Three, better collections by taking checks. Four is doing a green program where you decrease the water bill by 32%. And the fourth thing, holy cow, did that have the biggest impact on your bottom line? That definitely had a huge impact. We've been able to get a good amount for rent increases as well getting slowly pushing right. ourselves back up to market. We've also put in pet fees. We were the only complex of 600 units in the area that wasn't allowing pets. And when we did our inspection, there was actually eight units with pets. So it was a simple thing to put in what was trending right with even the building across the street, $250 non-refundable pet fee and $25 a month for pets. And that, of course, these little additions, they don't seem a lot, but those are things that if you're not going to be bullish trying to push on rents, where we do syndicate. So we have to be careful. We don't want to push on rents and have an oxy problem where the point we want to offer moderate rent increases, but then now perform better by offering these other opportunities where we can bring in other income and decrease expenses. So five would be rent increases, six are pet fees. And then you mentioned you did other things like concrete flat work. What is that for anyone who is not familiar with it? Sure. So the first floor is a floating slab and the second floor is a slab. So there were some cracks in the slab that were not structural, but just needed to be patched. There was also patches in the sidewalk that need to be made. And on some of the steps going up, some of the railings had some railing issues where basically concrete would need to be just to stabilize on the railing. These were things that we would have done, but also basically the lender required repair checklist that we had to make. So we, we had our game plan and we also had six and 12 month repair items that were required by the lender. And we basically went in there and we just knocked all the items out and within five months. We really were performing very well at five months, continuing to do our turns and continuing to do basically our unit turns and our rent rate strategy. But we did have a one year blackout period on the loan. So we had to wait till month 13, or at least right at that 12-month mark to really start going into the refi process to do the next step here of the business plan. Yeah. And on that next step with the refi process, walk us through that, please. Sure. So performing very well, of course, we did push everything forward. As I said, by month five, we had all the construction out of the way. And now we could really focus where being that this was our first deal, we slammed everything at the same time. We were doing the rent rate strategy, why we were doing all the corrections to the property, why we were trying to work on collections, then do all the lender required repairs. So we put a lot on the plate and it worked out great. We have a great management partner there that have in-house construction and it made the process 
Of course, with learning experience in there, not everything's always perfect, but it had a lot of opportunities for us to really just capitalize very quickly. So once we got to month five, we started to really just push on the rent raise strategy. And then once we got through the blackout period, which was year one, we wanted to go into a permanent loan. We had Fannie 7.6 ARM product, which allowed us to roll into CapEx. And from there, we transitioned to a Freddie 10-year loan product that was a, basically a fixed rate. So for that now, we went in and just at the same cap rate, we appraised out for over a million dollars more in value. And for that, when we did the refi, we were able to pull out with returns for year one, we've been able to pull out over 75% of equity and return it to our members, which has been great. And they've been very surprised, very happy, and that it's been a huge win. And we actually have another opportunity that we have coming up and they're all eagerly waiting for that one as well. It appraised for a million dollars more than what you bought it for. So basically it appraised for the amount they originally wanted to sell it to you for. Pretty much. Yep. It's funny, right? Yeah. yeah. That, exactly. But you had to do a bunch of stuff to get there. So you were right on the valuation, right? <laughs> we were spot on the valuation. And one of the tidbits for us buying it is that you may feel funny putting an offer so low, but sometimes it just becomes that there's the expectation of the seller. And then there's the actual realization that the seller can finally realize that the property is not worth their expectation. And for us, after months of negotiation at the lower price point, we ended up basically showing our underwriting to them and saying, guys, it's not that we're trying to beat you up here. This is just what we can offer based on just the way the property is performing. And this is where we are. We do bring investors to the deal and this is where we have to be. And that got us across the finish line at that lower price point to where we really implemented our plan. And with our improvements to where it is, it is now worth where their expectation happened to be way off over 24 months ago or so. What's one thing that went wrong with this property? So we've had a couple. I was actually, when we had a conference, we had the one where we have a neighboring building and the neighboring building is owned by the city, had a tenants, let's say not even tenants, but there was people in there that were basically, there was a shooting there and drug activity. And it's not an area where there's shootings. There's maybe been two shootings in the last 15 years. So we have one building that's right by there that was scaring the tenants. And we had a couple of tenants move and want to move in other buildings. We were worried it was going to, one, create a, a really big safety issue for our tenants and two that of course we're going to start to have trouble because tenants want to move the city really was not very helpful at first but then i was able to get in contact with the housing authority and go forward to actually get a detective from the local point to use one of our units as a stakeout and they were able to arrest a number of the bad actors over there and really clean up the neighborhood which has been great so they're now performing some kind of rehab on that building where a number of the units were down in some distress and that building's come back online, which is going to rather help the community a lot better than that. Past that, being that it was an older building, we had an electrical issue, which at first state could have been something of a major issue. There was an electrical wire that somehow they got a gas mow into the wire and it was one of the buildings, just 23 units, shut down the power of that building for a portion of the day. Luckily, we have a great electrical company that works with the management company was able to get on site right away and by 7 p.m. that night, all the power was back on. So that could have been a much bigger thing. So they went through the whole building, check everything. There was three other spots, fixed them as well. So for us, we want tenants there to like where they live, feel safe. And that first and foremost. And with that, it's also provided something on a positive note is we're finding that 
we wanted to get our tenant base improved just to the point that we have a great tenant base. And past that, we've started to offer referrals for them where they can bring in other tenants. So we're now having about 30 to 40% of our new tenants coming in are coming from referrals where we offer the tenants who are bringing in the new tenant a $250 referral fee. And that's good because you figure if you have a good tenant, they're bringing another good person to them. And that's been very helpful as we continue to make this a better community for people to live. Was that a process that you implemented or was that existing already, the referral fee? No, we implemented it. We implemented it and we wanted this to happen as we were continuing to clean it up. We wanted to give basically guidance to the tenants that we want this to be a great place for them to live. And of course, tenants love when they have friends or or cousins, whoever it is, live there. So it's been a win-win for both sides. So to summarize the top three value add components or tactics that you implemented in order of the value they created were what? So it would be the water savings and then it would be the rent raise strategy, which at some point will take over the water savings process. But at this point, we're still continuing to have our moderate rent raise strategy. We're now at about 98% occupancy, so we've started to be a little more bullish. But for that point, we've basically, for year one into year two, we're just doing the moderate rent rate strategy. And then lastly was just putting in the proper management process, and that adds in the little fees that come with the application fees, move-in fees, and that would be third. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? Sure. You can check out our website, www.yarusiholdings.com. And that's Y-A-R-U-S-I holdings.com. And my email is jason at yarusiholdings.com. You just educated us on how to manage a project effectively so that it returns approximately 75% back to investors within 13 months. Thank you so much for doing so, and I'm sure the best ever listeners are thanking you as well. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Joe. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is m-b-e-l-s-k-y at easterneq.com. What is your return on life? Do you struggle with investing for a safe return? American Real Estate Investments specializes in passive income real estate investing through single-family rentals, private money lending, and international vacation rental properties. Visit them at A-R-E-I. I-U-S-A.com. That's A-R-E-I-U-S-A.com.